You're listening to episode 11 of the Breaking Down Business Podcast. Welcome to Breaking Down Business, a podcast produced on behalf of the Kent State College of Business Administration by adjunct marketing instructor and CEO of All Good Marketing, Christopher Barnett. In this series, we connect listeners to our experts who share the latest on high-impact research and best practices in business. We bring relevant and timely business topics to you every other week. This is Breaking Down Business with your host, Chris Barnett. Welcome to Breaking Down Business. I'm your host, Chris Barnett, marketing instructor and CEO of All Good Marketing. In this episode, Kent State University Chair of the Department of Marketing and Entrepreneurship, Dr. Robert Jewell, shares two intriguing research studies he's recently had published and gives an overview of the managerial marketing program and the job demand for graduates of this unique program. Dr. Robert Jewell is Professor and Chair of the Department of Marketing and Entrepreneurship at Kent State University. Dr. Jewell's research interests include consumer behavior, information processing, branding, positioning, and advertising. He's published articles on these topics in the Journal of Consumer Research, Journal of Marketing, Journal of Consumer Psychology, and many, many more. He serves on the editorial board for the Journal of Business Research in Psychology and Marketing. Dr. Jewell currently teaches research for marketing decisions and competitive market analysis in the managerial marketing program and buyer behavior at the PhD level. Dr. Jewell, it's a pleasure to have you on Breaking Down Business. Well, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Really glad to have you here. You and I have worked quite a bit together in the managerial marketing program. Um, so I'm really excited. Yes, we to have. have. <laughs> I'm excited to have this conversation and share like your background and, and the exciting things you're doing at the university, uh, especially in the managerial marketing program. But before we get there, uh, I'd love for you to share about your background with our listeners. Sure. So I didn't always do this. Um, my, uh, my first career, I guess you could say, um, I worked in industry in Chicago in the area of marketing research. I worked for an ad agency. I worked for a consumer electronics company. I worked for a market research supplier over 10 years, uh, like I said, in the Chicago area. Eventually, I decided to go back to grad school. I went to The Ohio State University uh, for my PhD um, and didn't start uh, at at Kent State out of um, Ohio State, but ended up here. Very good. Well, what was it that led you here to Kent? Good question. So, um, like I said, when I uh, graduated from Ohio State, my first job was at uh, Virginia Tech uh, Institute, and uh, I liked it down there. Um, but as I mentioned, you know, I, I'm from Chicago. Uh, I went to grad school in Ohio, so I consider myself uh, a Midwestern person, a Midwestern kid. And uh, I thought that uh, Virginia Tech was a little bit too rural, maybe, for me. And so I wanted to get back to the Midwest. And uh, so an opportunity opened up at Kent State. um, And I was fortunate enough to to land a position here. 
Um, and I've been here now for, unbe unbelievably, I've been here now for 16 years. Oh, my goodness. Well, congratulations. That's quite, that's quite a long time. Yeah, it is. What, what was the um, position that you took here with the university when you started? So I, I've progressed uh, through my career. So I started out as an assistant professor. Um, then I was promoted to associate professor. Um, as an associate professor, I was also the PhD coordinator for the department for about five years. Um, then I was promoted to full professor. And then pretty much after I was promoted to full professor, um, I took on the job of department chair for the Department of Market and Entrepreneurship. And this is my sixth year uh, as department chair. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So you progressed right up, right up there to where you're the chair. And I know along the way, uh, research has been, um, has been a real focus for you. Uh, most specifically, consumer behavior seems to be a lot at the center of it. Um, and it's a topic I'm fascinated by. I could talk about it for, for a long, long time. But for the sake of our listeners' time, um, there's two fascinating marketing studies from this past year that I'd love for you to share with our audience, uh, beginning with your research on secret brand consumption, which I think is published in what, the Journal of Consumer Psychology, right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah, so uh, just generally, um, you know, I worked in marketing research. Um, I do academic research and research is probably the favorite part of my job. So uh, I was um, really grateful that, that this particular project worked out because uh, I thought it was a really interesting topic. So we had heard rumors or people would say um, that they would keep their brand consumption a secret. So they, maybe they had a particular brand and, and maybe they were embarrassed and it, so they, they kept it a secret from at least one other person. But we wanted to find out how widespread that was. Is it just a few people that keep their brand consumption a secret or is it more widespread than that? Um, so the first part of the project, uh, we asked people, you know, is there any brand that you consume that you keep a secret from at least one other person. And we were surprised at the how high the level was that, or the percentage of people that kept brand consumption a secret. We found that there was anywhere between two thirds and three quarters of consumers that hide their brand consumption from at least some other person. Some of the reasons that they gave us for uh, hiding, um, these are uh, actual responses that we got from uh, consumers. Um, so one woman uh, hid their uh, brand consumption of a cheap uh, makeup brand because, quote, most of the women I use, sorry, most of the women I know use much more expensive products. Uh, this is from another uh, consumer, quote, I try to portray a healthy lifestyle to the public and eating McDonald's food is not consistent with this public image. And then uh, one final one, um, quote, my husband is very proud of supporting local businesses. He hates Walmart because they kill off all the smaller businesses wherever they go. 
He thinks they treat employees badly and severely underpay them. While this may be true, we're on a strict budget. And the fact is, things are just cheaper at Walmart. When I go shopping or need to pick something up, I always go there. It's cheaper. And I'll go there if I can be certain that my husband won't find out. Oh, goodness. Wow. That's really incredible. Those yeah. are really interesting reasons. And I can relate to that on the, on the Amazon side, right? I, I want to support local businesses. And I do every, you know, most often. But there's a lure of Amazon that's just too convenient. And, and they always have what you need. So what would exactly. that... Yeah. So what did you learn in your research then from that? Yeah, so once we established that this was a this happened a lot, that it was fairly common, we wanted to understand what happened between consumers and their brands if they keep the consumption of that brand a secret. So it's generally believed that people form relationships with brands, some brands just as they might form relationships with another individual. Um, so we wanted to find out if keeping brand consumption a secret had any impact on consumers' relationship with the brand. And it turns out when you're keeping a secret, just kind of in general, you can't stop thinking about it. And in this case, they can't stop thinking of the brand when they're trying to keep it a secret. They call it... Um, obsessive preoccupation. Um, and because of this, because of this increased thinking about the brand, it increases consumers' connection to their brand. And this is important for marketers because some marketers may even want to encourage hiding behavior, and, and some do. You uh, find retailers that will maybe uh, ship their products in uh, an unmarked package, or uh, you might go into a store and they might have a shopping bag that's plain so that you can keep your purchases uh, a secret. Um, and the reason that this that the uh, increase in brand connection is important is because if consumers feel strongly attached to a brand, they're more likely to spread positive word of mouth about it, or they're more likely to be more brand loyal um, so it had these actual uh, implications for marketers that hopefully they could use uh, these findings for some of their marketing decisions. That is absolutely fascinating because as a, a marketer, and as we follow the customer purchase process or their decision-making process, um, top of mind awareness is so important and using uh, a secret brand usage as a way to maintain that top of mind awareness is a really interesting strategy. Yeah, and it has other implications that we didn't explore that uh, you know probably is worth further pursuing. Uh, for example, if you wanted to um, have maybe exclusive membership to your store or to um, your brand, and that you know you wanted to encourage. Uh, your members to keep that a secret. Um, that could be something um, that would maybe attract people and make them feel more connected to whatever the brand might be. Right, being part of a tribe. So it sounds exactly. like, yeah, it's that whole uh, Seth Godin, <laughs> but 
but um, <laughs> being part of a tribe is so important. I, I, so these customers, I don't want to get too deep into it because there's another exciting study I want you to share before we run out of time. But it makes me think that if a, a customer does it, if it's a secret brand consumption, that may uh, that tactic may um, increase their lifetime value for that brand. But what does it do in terms of word of mouth um, um, promotion? Yeah, I would think that it would increase the lifetime value because, um, like I said, it, it probably encourages brand loyalty. Um, so it makes other brands less attractive. And so I think over time, uh, a consumer that keeps their brand consumption a secret, they're, they're probably going to stick with that brand. And so it would be you know, good for the brand, uh, especially over time. Uh, what was your second question? Oh, if, if that hinders then word of mouth, spreading word of mouth affinity. That's a really good question. So if they're trying to keep it a secret, you know, would they talk about the brand? And we think that probably they do because typically they're only keeping it a secret from maybe one or two other people. They might keep their brand consumption a secret from their parents, but not their boyfriend or girlfriend. They might keep it a secret from their spouse, but they might not keep uh, it a secret from their friends. So um, I think that there probably is an opportunity uh, that you would see um, consumers that hide the brand consumption uh, to talk about it to uh, maybe the people that they're not keeping the secret from. Uh, that's so cool. Now I want to use this as a in-class discussion for consumer behavior class. <laughs> this is now that'd be very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, like I said, I do get fascinated by this, so I'm gonna I've derailed a little bit. We'll get back on track and talk about another one, and it's one of the fa one of my students' favorite topics when I teach consumer behavior, and that is impulse purchases. Um, you, you've just fit, you've just um, you're publishing this study, or it's been accepted. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. I know my students get fascinated by impulse purchases. Yeah, we were interested uh, in impulse purchasing um, and consumers that make impulse purchases and how they feel about themselves after they've made an impulse purchase. And if they don't feel so good about themselves, are there ways that we can encourage them to maybe not be so hard on themselves? So the, um, the title of that article was, you know, Impulse Purchasing, Have Your Cake and Eat It Too. And the idea here is that in general, impulse purchasing is good for a marketer. Um, it, you know, it increases sales. Um, you, Maybe people don't think about it as much when they're they're making an impulse purchase. So marketers typically would want to perhaps encourage impulse purchasing. But the downside then is that people generally feel bad um, because they regret the purchase that they've made. Maybe because it wasn't good for them or maybe it wasn't consistent with their long-term goals. So, for example, you know they may have gone to Taco Bell whereas they have a long-term goal of eating healthy. And so they might experience regret. Um, they might feel that they had a, 
a letdown in their self-control. Um, we call it a self-control failure. And so that would might that's my life. Right. And so that might make them not think positively about the brand. And so we were wondering if there was a way that you could communicate to consumers um, so that, they, like I said, they wouldn't be quite so hard on themselves if they made an impulse purchase. And what we found is that if you can get people to think about times in their lives when they maybe made a sacrifice, like studying instead of meeting with friends, that over time they come to regret making the virtuous decision. So it's a different kind of regret than you have with the impulse purchase, that you, you actually have these wistful feelings of having missed out on the joys of life. And if you can put somebody in that frame of mind, we found that they're willing to be, they're, they're willing to give themselves a break. They're, they're, willing, they're not as hard on themselves. Um, they feel then that perhaps they're justified uh, in their impulse purchase. Um, so again, from a marketing perspective, if you can, through uh, promotions, you know, reassure people or try to encourage them to think back on a time when they made a sacrifice and when they maybe missed out on something that might have been pleasurable, we found that the, the consumers will, like I said, they'll, they'll, give themse they'll cut themselves a break, so to speak. Uh, that is so cool. That's such a, uh, again, that's, I can see how, how that could be applied in a creative direction. You know, it's kind of like sacrificing a self-indulgence in the past, or you, you deserve this self-indulgence now because you sacrificed a self-indulgence in the past. So you're just, it, it yeah, evens it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's your there is research it's your actually that shows reward. that <laughs> it's your karmic reward. <laughs> yeah, there there is research that says that people do this kind of mental accounting that they have this mental ba a balance sheet, uh, and if they are virtuous, maybe in the morning, um, they're more likely to do something that's maybe not as virtuous in the afternoon because that will even things up. So kind of along the same lines, it gives consumers permission. And if they feel like they have permission, then it's not really a self-control failure. Right, right. This is so fascinating. You know, I think, you know, one of the things that I try to stress in, in my classes is it's not only uh, marketing your product or promoting your product, it's persuading your target customer or your target your prospect to make the decision and put that in their consideration set and then take them the next step or steps further along the customer journey these type of insights right. are critical to to helping to motivate somebody or to persuade somebody um, and you know i i know that uh consumer research is is such an integral part at kent state university's manage managerial marketing program for these reasons because you just you don't want to say we have a cheeseburger you tell them you you want this cheeseburger now and this is how you're going to get there and satisfy it right so right you now i know that um 
you know, you being instrumental in piloting the managerial marketing program, I'm sure that the consumer research components in there, um, you probably had a part of, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so like I said, um, I, I started out in industry uh, working in the field of marketing research. Um, and so I ended up teaching marketing research in the managerial marketing program. Now, we also teach marketing research in um, our standard marketing program, but the approach in managerial marketing is to try to have the students learn to use information, to use data to make decisions. So we understand that probably the majority of the students aren't going to end up in the field of marketing research, but they're probably going to have to deal with market researchers that are in their company or that they hire. Um, and so these outside market researchers will provide them with information. And so then the question becomes, what do you do with it? And so rather than just understanding marketing research, we try to, we try to get the students to use the information to make decisions. And that's what the managerial marketing program is all about, trying to get the students to use data and, and be... Uh, objective when they're making these marketing decisions to solve real marketing problems. So I'm a big fan of managerial marketing because it gives students more of a hands-on experience in addition to teaching them uh, decision-making skills. So for example, we have uh, two courses. Uh, your course is one of them uh, where we actually have uh, real-world client projects. And so uh, the students uh, act as consultants. Um, they make presentations to the clients. Um, the, the clients declare a winner <laughs> of the different presentations. And so we've actually asked our alumni, our grads, you know, what was it about the managerial marketing program that you liked the most? And they almost all say it's the hands-on experience. It's working with the clients. Um, because it's, it's good experience, one, but it also gives them something to talk about when they're in an interview, because, like I said, it's almost like they had an in-class consulting project or maybe an in-class internship. Um, and so what we've heard is that when the students can talk about these experiences, working with real-world clients when they're in an interview, um, that the, the employer is, is definitely impressed um, by the experience that these students are having. Very cool, very cool. So what else can you tell us about the holistic approach that the managerial marketing program takes? So um, we decided that managerial marketing will kind of be similar to a graduate program. So uh, the students go through their courses together, what we call in lockstep. So they all move through the curriculum at the same time. Um, there's no electives. Uh, we've decided all the courses that we want them to take. Um, and so you get this cohort of students that spend two years uh, together. And one of the, the, the best things that comes out of it is they end up with this network of future uh, 
employees um, that they can go to potentially if, if they're looking for a job. Um, and because of the hands-on approach to managerial marketing, the students get to know the faculty better. And for me personally, it, it's very rewarding uh, to be able to interact with these students who are, are very motivated um, and that, that seem to appreciate uh, what they're getting out of these courses. Um, so those are kind of two side benefits in addition to you know, the, the general skills and experience that they're getting in the program. Very cool. Now, I'm fortunate enough that I get to teach uh, one of the courses in that program, Advertising and Promotion mm -hmm. Management. And, I, and at that point, there are seniors preparing to graduate. And I am always impressed with the level of knowledge uh, that the students have when they enter my class. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. I would, I mean, it's a great program and I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it. I think it's well, interesting. Glad to have you. <laughs> well, thank you so much. You know, and what's so important to those students at that time are their job opportunities. What, what, um, what opportunities like when are they going to have when they exit college and get into their first entry level professional career, right? What, what type of... Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, yeah that's a really good question. Um, because there might be um, a thought maybe at the beginning that graduates of the managerial marketing major end up getting special jobs that we hold out just for them. Um, but that's actually not the case. Um, it turns out that the managerial marketing students are simply better prepared for the jobs that are out there. Um, they can start and on day one they can contribute because of the experiences that they've had in the managerial marketing program. And because they're better prepared and because they can contribute from day one, they tend to move up uh, in, in a particular company to advance maybe even in their careers uh, at a quicker rate so they don't have to spend a lot of time at an entry-level job kind of learning the ropes. Um, you know, they can come in, they can contribute, it gets recognized, and so you know, they, they realize their career path uh, quicker is what we've heard. Excellent. Very cool. Uh, do you, are you at liberty to name any of uh, the companies that our students have uh, gone on to work for? Sure. Um, and, you know, the marketing is, is, is interesting because um, of all the different areas in business, I think it has the broadest, uh, the broadest array of opportunities. So if you're in marketing, um, you know, you could take jobs uh, at an ad agency for consumer packaged goods. Uh, you could be an event planner. Um, so there's just a, a wide variety of opportunities, unlike maybe, you know, accounting or finance where the, the, the jobs that you're going to get, you kind of know from the very beginning. Um, but so we've placed quite a few people at Smuckers, um, and it seems like that Smuckers is now looking for our managerial marketing grads because um, they've had such good experiences. Um, so some of our best students have ended up going to Smuckers. Um, We've had students go to Goodyear. Um, so those are some of the, the larger 
companies. Um, I know of at least two students that ended up in uh, local advertising agencies. Um, and we've also had uh, students that end up in companies working uh, with the company's social media. And so that's uh, something else, some other kind of experience that they get. So um, yeah, there's just a wide variety of opportunities uh, in marketing in general, and then you know, kind of specifically for our managerial marketing students. Right. Absolutely. That, and I see students, you know, I obviously as a, as an instructor in the program, I follow students on LinkedIn and I see them landing in Florida, in New York, a, a lot in Pittsburgh, Chicago, and the variety of jobs they have is so, you know, from uh, marketing and real estate to um, market research positions to working for um, yeah, um, the, the fuel and oil industry or oil and gas industry to working in yeah, um, for small businesses too, like uh, supporting smaller businesses, um, starting up their own firms. It's, it's just fascinating. And, and I love following the, the trajectory of their careers after they get out of class um, to be young again, right? <laughs> so yeah, have all those opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. Especially now when they're just marketing has exploded since, you know, when, when I was in school in the, in the early 90s. So how can our listeners learn more about Kent State University's managerial marketing program? I'm sure now they're all excited to get involved, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So there's a, a variety of things that you can do uh, if, if you're uh, already at Kent State University. Um, and the kind of a, as a general idea, uh, it's to try to get involved. So um, you can be involved in the American Marketing Association, which I know you're the faculty advisor for. And I'm sure within that organization, there are students who are current managerial marketing majors. And so one of the best things that you could do is to get, you know, the, the, the real honest truth uh, is to talk to current students in the program. So that would be one approach. Um, a second approach would be to contact the department. Um, you can contact me. Um, you can t contact uh, any of the uh, faculty that teach in the managerial marketing program. Um, we also have, through our career services office, uh, a number of events where we reach out uh, to students. So, for example, in a couple of uh, weeks, we have a meet the major session where uh, freshmen come and explore different opportunities. And so that's an opportunity for us to, to talk about managerial marketing um, and, and, and try to explain what the benefits right. are. Excellent. Well, very cool. I hope that we get a lot of, um, I'm sure we're getting a lot of interest from our listeners out there. I hope they do follow up to learn more. Uh, Dr. Jewell, it's always fun talking with you. I always learn so much, and it's a real pleasure to finally have you on Breaking Down Business. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Chris. I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Thank Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking Down Business. Learn more about the managerial marketing program at www.kent.edu forward slash business forward slash marketing.
Thank you for joining us for Breaking Down Business, brought to you by the Kent State College of Business Administration, offering 10 undergraduate majors, online and in-person MBA programs, and a comprehensive PhD program. Learn more about the many ways to pursue a business education at Kent State at kent.edu forward slash business.